Welcome to The Climb! This is a show dedicated to helping singers, songwriters, and indie artists like you create leverage in the music business. That's why we called it The Climb, C-L-I-M-B, creating leverage in the music business. Why? Because that's what you're going to need as a songwriter, as an indie artist, as a musician. You're to get ahead, to get the record deal, the booking agency, the publishing deal, the management. You got to have something going on. Okay, they're not going to make you into an artist. You have to become one. And that's why we created this podcast to help you figure out how to make that happen. That climb is a backstronym comes from a good friend and co-host, Mr. Brent Baxter. Brent's an award-winning hit songwriter with cuts by Alan Jackson, Randy Travis, Lady Antebellum, Joe Nichols, and more. And he helps songwriters like you turn pro by revealing how you can write like a pro, do business like a pro, and then he actually connects you to the pros. And if that wasn't enough pros, you can find Brent very easily at songwritingpro.com. Once again, that's songwritingpro.com. And I would like to introduce you to my co-host, Johnny Dwinell. Johnny owns Daredevil Production. Daredevil has created over 25 national TV opportunities for their indie artists by making them discoverable. And they've also created multiple tour opportunities. And through the power of digital marketing data, they've attracted a number of investors for their artists. Now, investors are the money people. And the money people like these numbers because numbers don't lie because numbers can't talk you can find johnny at daredevilproduction.com that is production singular no s and there is no s because there is no other johnny d how you doing buddy man i'm doing all right doing all right ready to you know talk about some music business stuff today we can talk get some light on how things have changed we're going to talk about the evolving role of music publishers in today's music business so the music business is changing especially uh this would be kind of a nashville centric kind of thing because uh, I think LA's probably been more about this for longer, but as Nashville has changed, we have some of those old paradigms we're thinking about, and maybe it's not the same way it used to be done. So we're going to talk about how things are changing, and so you can be prepared on your climb. Right on. Well, before we do that, let's take care of a little business here. Mm-hmm. It's a digital world out there, but believe me, if you're going to survive, it's hugely important for you to have physical media as an independent musician. Digital royalty payments are so small that selling products like CDs, vinyl, T-shirts at gigs has become a very not only an important income generator, but mission critical to getting to the next town and staying afloat. That's right. And for every CD you sell at a gig, you need roughly, you know how many? See if people have been listening. 3,000 streams. You've been listening. 3,000 streams to make the same amount of money. as selling like one CD. That's a lot of streams. So it pays literally to have physical product on your merch table and not just hoping people will hear your song, remember the title, go stream it, right? Even if you talk about it from the stage, that's a lot of streams. We just sell some merch, all right? Put some money, you're literally leaving money on the table when you don't have merch on the table. And our friends at Disc Makers are the place to go for your disc and other physical media, including vinyl, USB drives, and even t-shirts. And you can find them at www.discmakers.com or you can give them a call at 800-468-9353. That's 800-468-9353. There you go. And join the Climb community on Facebook if you haven't. That is the Facebook group for all the climbers. We're growing every single week we grow. I think we're well over a thousand followers now. It's very active. Everybody's in there helping each other out, talking about wins, talking about different conundrums that they're in, and they ask a question. People get answers. It's super cool. Any new stuff going on lately, Brent, that you want to? I like to look at the uh, the new heights section because mm-hmm. where uh, climbers like you guys can post your wins. We typically 
post those on Wednesday mornings, and then you can come there and just be like, woohoo, look what, well, look what happened to me this week. That's right. And so right. it's uh, all music related wins, and people are, it's great because let's just, oh, uh, let's roll here. Let's see. Amber Dunn, thank you for posting. Amber says, finally consider myself a real singer songwriter enough to attend my first songwriter's workshop back in May. Since then, I've been to five. I'm hooked. They're so much fun, full of information. You meet the coolest people. Plus, I did all solo, so it was scary, but totally worth it. And Johnny chimed in, Amber Dunn, love it. Good job. And I was like, and I chimed in, way to invest in yourself and your craft. And she's like, you know, I actually heard about the climb at the NSAI Advanced Camp. Then listened to my first 28 episodes headed to, to the last workshop a few weeks ago in Austin. Awesome. Great podcast. Nice. Binge, yes. Binger. And, she binges. I know. You binger. But then Sinead, who I mentioned in the last episode, chimed on there and just, you know, her thoughts on Amber. And, and they have this conversation. And so it's a live group. People yeah, support. meeting people and, have, and celebrating wins together. And that's cool. And that's inspiring for other climbers who maybe this past week they can't identify a win. Or maybe someone has one that you're like, oh, you know, I didn't even think about that as being a win. But yeah, I had that happen. That is yeah. a win. And so right. just a cool group and go, cool community. Yeah, I like it. So join up. You got to ask to be let in. We let everybody in. Just be good. We won't row hash you out. Okay. Right. Just follow the rules. There are not many of them. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you like to consume podcasts so you get all the episodes. Leave a rating and review and tell somebody about it. If you like it, then somebody else is going to probably get some benefit from it. Just like Amber Dunn said, I, got, I heard about it and then I listened to it. She's 28 episodes in. It's not because it's not valuable. There's lots right. of stuff there that she's consuming. So that's good. And speaking of reviews, reviews we have one here. This is from Christina Bandina. Thank you, Christina Bandina. You know, she's a writer. Even her name rhymes. You just want to say it over and over again. Christina Christina Bandina. That's right. It's a five-star review. It says, can't create without the climb. Without a doubt, Johnny and Brent are the bomb, value bombs. Every single one of their episodes hits the mark. I can punch that button to play, and I will hear answers to questions I hadn't even thought of yet, as well as get the answers to what's currently on my mind. I can't tell you how many times they pulled me back from the I quit cliff. So thank you both for mentoring, educating, and pushing all of us artists and songwriters to be the very best version of our artistic selves. Love you guys, Christina Bandina. Thank you, Christina. That's awesome. That That was way better than last week's. That's way better. (laughs) (laughs) That does my heart good. I mean, because we do these and we can't see you climbers while we do these. And just to read those like, oh man, that's good, man. We're People yeah. appreciate what you do. And that just as, just as a person, it's like, it's good to know. It's almost like you write these songs and before people hear them, you're like, I'm doing it and it feels good. I hope someone else finds value in it. And then to hear like back on your song, like, man, I love that song or that man, that song helped me through a rough patch. It's a similar kind of feel good. Yeah. As that, right. you know, going, thank you. System. Somebody appreciates the work. You yeah. know, put in. So that, and I'm glad we're helping you out, Christina. Thank you for sharing that. Kella, Kella. So what are we going to learn about publishing companies? What are they doing different now? Things are changing. And so here's Things the deal. Things are changed. It's like uh, raising <laughs> Arizona. <laughs> we got a baby now. Things have changed. Oh, Lord. So yeah, man, the music publishing business has evolved. And this will be a little more national centric. As, as I mentioned in the intro, LA's probably been more this way for longer. But we're kind of diving into the old model a little bit or the perceived old model of publishing, maybe what you think of music publishing being, and then talk about it, how the new stuff 
is really kind of how things are working today. So the okay. old model of publishing is a publisher and publishers. So quick primer on publishers. They are the ones that uh, basically, Hey, you songwriter, you have the songs. Publisher has the pockets and the relationships. And so when you guys get together, because they don't have any songs without you and you don't have, maybe you don't have relationships or deep pockets without them. So publishers and writers hook up and they're like, Hey, tell you what, we'll, you know, if we give you a publishing deal or whatever, basically the thing is you provide great songs. I'll go get them worked and I'll get them recorded and we split the money. Mm-hmm. Basically how publishing works just in mm-hmm. a very small nutshell. So the old model, what you may be thinking of is like, okay, publishers are out there to find great songs and great songwriters to make relationships and leverage those relationships to pitch those great songs and to get cuts, right? Find great songwriters, go play their songs for your buddies and your relationships and music business and get cuts that way. That's the old model. I think it's not really how the majority of it's done these days. That's and right. so if you're just hoping, you know, a publisher is going to come along and that's what they do. And that's what they said they're going to do is like, Hey, you know, I'll just play your songs for people and we'll go make a millions of dollars. It's not how most of the publishers are making their millions of dollars if they're making millions of dollars these days. So let's talk about the new model. What I'm finding is more the reality. And, and this is coming from talking to music publisher friends of mine and how they're spending their time. Cause that's really what it comes down to is how are they spending their time? The new model there are a couple, I'd say three kind of legs to this stool. The first is to find and sign great songs and songwriters, make relationships and leverage those relationships to get those songwriters in great rooms and let the songwriters write the cuts. Mm-hmm. Pitching songs to get cuts, that's almost grading. But the main way is I leverage my relationships to get this great songwriter of mine into rooms where they can write the cuts versus hey, I got this great songwriter with great songs. Now I'm going to go pitch those songs and try to get cuts. This is get the songwriter in the rooms with artists and producers and that sort of thing where they can do their job in the room to write a cut. So it's a different way of looking at it. Mm -hmm. Another thing is to find and sign songwriters that have their own leverage for cuts. Maybe the songwriter is an artist so they can cut their own stuff. Maybe the songwriter is also a producer. So they're cutting songs that they write with the artist or bring in for the production deal, or they have relationships in artist camps, meaning, you know, that tight circle of friends and business partners or whatever that are around an artist. Mm -hmm. So like, Oh, so-and-so he writes with artist X, Y, or Z and he gets cuts on him. So he's bringing in that leverage himself. So it's not so much based on, again, the publisher taking your great songs and going and getting them cut. It's more like, Hey, it's kind of like he's got this small business going on already. He's already bringing his own leverage. It's a word we love here on the climb. We're going to sign him and kind of float his boat, you know, maybe provide some other value while he's going out and kind of getting his own cuts through his own leverage. And then three is basically sign people and build your own camps. Yeah. Sign the artist, sign the producer and some writers that write with them and try to make our own thing go of it. Mm-hmm. That way people are trying to get on our train, right? So, uh, and you may, that may just tick you off, right? Maybe you like the old model of like, man, I just need a publisher just to pay me to write, pay for my ramen and let me write my songs. And then you go and you play your songs for people and go get me cuts. Cause that's what I want to do. I just want to be in the room with my buddies I already have and, or by myself and write songs and send them off. And then a check comes in the mail. 
Mm-hmm. It's magic. magic. Well, here's the bad. Yeah, I got a newsflash for you. I don't think the old model was ever really that pure. You know, I don't think it. I think there have been elements of it, and I have my own stories about that. But as far back as the year two thousand, right, Conan O'Brien moment back in the year two thousand, <sighs> I was talking to a songwriter who you know had a, like a classic Willie Nelson song, and he'd just been around a while. He was also a fellow Arkansan, and so I got hooked up to talk to him and my buddy Tim Meitz and I. We did this record together back in Arkansas, and you know it's the one that went eventually quadruple plywood sold like 400 units it's awesome but you know it's basically demos and stuff Mm -hmm. and i sent it to him just trying to get some feedback from him and stuff and back in 2000 he told me he's like man these days it's not so much song versus song anymore and best song wins it's regime versus regime it's all the Mm -hmm. political wheeling and dealing and to get songs on records and but i was like yes but my songs are great so i'll be fine (laughs) it's kind of my reaction to it but you know that was basically 20 years ago that conversation was already happening that I was starting to hear firsthand before I ever moved to Nashville. You know, you think about Colonel Tom Parker, how many songs did he was like, okay, well, Elvis will cut that, but I want publishing. Mm -hmm. That was another kind of leverage that was brought to bear to get the cuts. Mm -hmm. Some people said, no, no, I'm not giving up publishing. And other people would. So I think it's always been about leverage. Sometimes the leverage is a great song or the right song, right? And for example, Monday Morning Church that I wrote with Aaron Enderlin, the only leverage that song had was being great the right song. song. Yeah. It was the right song. It was a right for Alan at that time and connected with him. And it, well, but it was not exactly true though, because how did Aaron get it? To- well, there, there was a leverage of relationships where she played it for the publisher on that. And he played it for, she played for Jeff Carlton, who's ended up being her publisher on it. And he played it for Alan's producer. And so there was a leverage of relationships, but it wasn't the leverage worked to provide access so that the producer could hear the song Mm -hmm. and the producer played it for Alan, but it wasn't the main leverage was the song. Now that was crucial leverage to have leverage the relationship to get it heard, but it wasn't like the publisher was leaning on the producer to cut it. You know, there was no backroom right. deal. There was not any of that, hey, you owe me favors or anything like that that I ever heard of. Right, right. It was like, I got this song. And the song really provided the leverage because Alan writes his own stuff. And so there wasn't extra financial incentive for them to cut it. It wasn't any of that other kind of leverage. But yeah, that was a crucial part was the leverage to open a door, the leverage of relationships. But the main thing was it was just the right song or the right artist at the right time. Mm-hmm. You know, other times it, the leverage might be financial, like, oh, well, I'm a songwriter on this song and I'm the artist. So therefore, yeah, yeah, that's more leverage. If it's close, I'm going to cut my song. Why? Because I make publishing money on it and writer share on this song versus this other song that's, you know, is as good, maybe just a little bit better, but not going to make me more money. So there's that kind of leverage. Sometimes it's other kind of leverage. Who knows? Somebody owes somebody a favor. Who knows? What that can we stuff might be. Dig into that for a second, because yeah. I know I can feel it now. I can feel it coming back, like people out there brooding, like, oh, it's all just, it's all backroom deals and who you know, and mm-hmm. and they get people get sour about it, right, yeah. in the music industry. Your life in whatever small town you're in that isn't Nashville, or maybe it is Nashville, and you just haven't built any relationships here yet. Your life runs exactly like this 
Mm-hmm. It's no different. It's just yeah. the job is different, right? Like think right now about how many people that you know that got a job because they knew somebody who turned them on to this job, mm-hmm. right? Or they had a friend inside the, the whatever. I, we work for Amazon at a distribution center. My boy, Bobby works there. He's going to get us a job. Like he, you know, he can get us in. Oh, okay, cool. Maybe you got a job right now. Maybe the job that you got happened because of a friend, because somebody told you about it. And uh, they had an in there to where you were going to come in as a friend and not just a, an applicant, mm-hmm. but, a, but a friend. And maybe, maybe it was somebody telling you about, hey, I heard about this thing here. You should know about that, right? Well, it's the same thing, except mm-hmm. we're not talking about working for Amazon or talking about, you know, McDonald's or this gig or that gig. It's just songs. It's the same yeah. thing, you know? So, well, heck, you know, before you get all judgy on it, mm-hmm. like remember that you live that way too. It's just what you don't have are these relationships over here. Right. And once you get them, then you can be a little bit more in the know on the inside with the movers and shakers and the beautiful people, you know, that mm-hmm. Once you think about it like that, they're just people. They're exactly. Just work, and this is the business they're in. Well, I mean, you look at it, hiring people, how other people got jobs. Well, think about the last person you hired, right? You brought Chelsea in. Yeah. The daredevil. How do you become a, aware of Chelsea? Because she was a climber. She reached out to us to put together the first climb conference up mm-hmm. in Salt Lake City and said, hey, would you guys be willing to do this? And we said, Yeah. And we went out and we did it and it was so well put together, mm-hmm. right? Extremely organized. We felt that we were treated like Kings. Mm-hmm. She's a hoot. Yeah. And right? she's a blast. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good hang. I mean, a good hang. Like we had so mm-hmm. much fun with her and Mindy, like just, yeah. that was a great weekend and Chris Oglesby and Shelby Kennedy and Shelby yeah. Kennedy. And uh, yeah. And then like literally, so this is how, this is how it works. Right. So she's in. So, well, yeah, let's talk about that. This happened from Salt Lake city. Yes. And so she was like, Hey, I'm trying to bring like real people that really care about what's going on in this industry to Salt Lake city. Cause sometimes we're not getting the best information. Yeah. Right. And the way she served it up to us, you know, sometimes there's some Mm -hmm. shysters in town they say they know this and they know that. And then, they're picking on the people that just don't know any better. And that's not mm. cool. Would you guys be willing to come in and shed some real light on this? And we said, absolutely. Well, then from that point, now we know Chelsea. We get to spend some mm. time with her. We, you know, get great hang, like super fun. And so when she would come into town, which was on the regular, she's not here every other week, but she would be here, what, every three, four months something uh, like or something like that, riding. She would make a point, stop by my place, say hi, see what's going on go and see Chris, you know, and just like she's working on the relationships, but from mm-hmm. afar, right? She doesn't yeah. live here yet. And then finally, I find myself in a predicament where Lexi, God bless her, her bonds, like is leaving to go with her husband to, he gets accepted to medical school. So I'm going to lose like, my right hand. Like she's so important to the organization of what we're trying to do. And I'm tripping. I don't know who I'm going to find that I trust, mm-hmm. that I like, that's a good hang. That mm-hmm. I mean, you can imagine what my office is like. I'm the sweetest guy in the world, but I think by some of the rules that are out there, it wouldn't be considered maybe a safe space because I cuss. And- <laughs> yeah, yes, you know what I mean? She's like, I know what John's favorite word is. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And so yes. it's like, you got to be able to hang with that, you know? And it's just like, it's harmless, but it's still- It's, it's a very particular offensive. environment. Yeah, this isn't going to be fun for you. Yeah. And so she was like, hey, I'm moving I'm moving to Nashville. I'm like, when? And she's like, at such a time. And so then that's exactly how we started with that game. 
Yeah. You know, but it was a relationship. And man, I mean, just think is about- that cheating? No. No, that's not cheating. That's how the world works. I just thought that was a good real world example. That's a great um, real world example. I'm going to put it on one of your favorite like things, like a catchphrase, right? Because I heard this from another guy. It's like, your network is your net worth. Yeah, uh, I've heard that one Network too. is your net worth. Think about that. The better your network of songwriters is, whether you're here in Nashville or whether you're actively involved in the community in whatever town you're from, if you're a good writer, then there's absolutely no reason why you shouldn't be writing with some of the best writers, if not the best writers in that town. Right. Right. And, and how do you know who they are? Well, if you're asking yourself that question, you're already losing. You just get out. Who knows? Like, go find out. Yeah. <laughs> if mm-hmm. you're on the scene, you'll find out quickly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You got to get out so, there. There you go. And so like for Chelsea, what was that leverage she brought in? A good hang competent yeah she can get she stuff done get stuff I, done she's like a wicked type a gotta be done right like last night we were she's got kids in a family and got okay so chelsea's been raising her kids while her husband was the breadwinner mm-hmm. up in salt lake city and ends up the gig that he was working at he just couldn't stand it anymore and she's been bugging him to move to nashville because she wants to get closer to the writers and get more on the scene and so he's like you know what i'm done let's go let's yeah. go i'm done with this gig so crazy in her household because the roles have reversed right mm-hmm. so scott like is all of a sudden the stay-at-home dad he's never been the stay-at-home dad right yeah kids. and he's like i mean i feel for that guy like we got to take him out to dinner or something. <laughs> she's like he doesn't know what to do like i mean he's learning and he's yeah. no dummy but he's a, a smart guy yeah trip for him you know what i mean this is brand new like how do i just like i know how to work the kids like i know how to get them to perform for me to do what i need them to do he's having to learn how to do that it's funny dynamic yeah but so why am I saying this? Because last night we've been working on she's doing video editing for me, uh, some, some content that we're putting together. And there's a way that I want it done. Mm-hmm. And so she's doing it. And then we're now we're having, we're getting through that, figuring the ABCs of how this needs to be done. And she's kind of working on a platform with some new stuff. It's a little foreign to her, but we were there till like seven o'clock last night. Mm-hmm. like working late and her eyes were bugging out of her head and I'm pretty sure she had a migraine and she worked through it. And, but you know what? I need that. I need that. I need her to be there like that because yeah. we're small and we're growing and we're going to have more nights like this. And I trust her mm-hmm. that I know that it's going to get done one way or the other and we're going to do it. And if we fail, it's not going to be from a lack of effort. We left everything out of the field and we just got beat. Okay. Well then yeah. dust off and get back in the game. But that's the only way I want to lose. Yeah. And so the thing lesson in that is the leverage wasn't just, oh, well, she buttered up Johnny and they became friends. So he hired her. No, the competency is a huge fact. Would that would that's a deal breaker, right? Like, hey, you're great. Hang, we'll go hang out. We'll have cocktails, but I ain't going to give you money if I don't think you can get the job done. And the parallel for writers is great songs make networking a whole lot easier. Mm-hmm. Right. So however you get on the radar of publishers, of artists, of managers, of their camps, whoever, you know, the guitar player in the band, man, great songs make that networking a whole lot easier. Because if you'd met her and she'd been a good hang, but the uh, conference kind of fell apart and wasn't well put together, you'd be like, great hang. Cocktails, nothing but excuses. But yeah, nothing but not, it's not my fault. It's Mindy's fault. Like she did, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. No, no, no. Because there was a couple little speed bumps in there. I don't, honestly don't even remember what they were at the conference. Yeah. But I just remember, I remember Chelsea being like embarrassed about her. So we're like, relax, this is awesome. You know, like, yeah, like, oh yeah. The, yeah like, this yeah. is perfect. Like, stop it. She's like, no, no, because we can't see what she saw. But there's right. a couple of things that she saw that didn't happen. 
yeah. I mean, I just know she's going to handle it in a pinch. Hey, one other thing that's important to point out here, that Chelsea's songwriting ability. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. has nothing to do with me i care right yeah you know you're, not, you're so, not hiring her to write songs i think people get really hyper focused on that and if we can't i mean i just go off on another this part of the tangent which i think artists and songwriters and people who are chasing a dream like this which is generally people in society are just like oh that's crazy but you already got a load on your back when you're trying to do it mm-hmm. but you're missing the ways to get in the game because it's not directly related to your music or directly mm-hmm. related to your song. Chelsea came out here. She's making a living and she's working for me. It's got nothing to do with her songwriting, but she's writing more and more. She's mm-hmm. interacting with songwriters because certainly mm-hmm. we're songwriters adjacent, but yes. our business doesn't have anything to do with that. So she put herself right there, one block off of Music Row where our office is on 8th. Mm-hmm. And well, I guess it's a few blocks off of Music Row, but I mean, like we're right there. And now she's going out to these events and she's, she's starting to mm-hmm. network and meet these people. But it's an indirect route that got her directly where she needed to go, right? Yeah. You know, we just had a conversation like this, come to Jesus moment, if you will, with the Lonely Highway Boys. They haven't been performing as well as they should be performing on the chasing the dream part of the job, mm-hmm. right? They're performing like crazy good down on Broadway and doing the, everything they're supposed to do when they're out on the road. Mm-hmm. And they're super consistent with that. They're great. We couldn't be more proud of them. But they're not networking at all. Right. And they're great songwriters. And we're like, Hey, you guys, there's 168 hours in a week. You're playing four nights a week. That's four hours a night. It's 16 hours. You're spending 10% of your time doing this and they're broke. They're broke AF. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Like big time. And we're annoyed by it. And we're like, why don't you get another job? Get a second job. We've been telling that for a year. It's not sinking in. So finally, like literally what I did is I bought a, bunch of steaks, right? I bought like six of those guys. I bought six ribeyes and brought them over to their house and we grilled them up and they knew it. I didn't just bring those steaks over to hang out. Like <laughs> They're just like waiting for the hammer to fall, you know? And I'm like, yeah. what the hell are you guys doing? Like, you're so good. You have so much impact. Think, Brent, think about this. So in their specific situation, you got 
three brothers that sing harmonies, like awesome. And that's what, how they write. They write for that. So in the context of a writer's round, mm-hmm. you're, no, you're not going to forget them. Because right. everybody's up there doing their own singer songwriter single voice thing, but they're going to be doing these harmonies, well written songs. Even if it was just one guy with that same song, because the harmonies are involved, and mm-hmm. that's the thing at a writer's night, it's like, whoa, wow, yeah, this is amazing. And I said, you guys are going to go in, you're going to do one writer's night, and everybody's going to want to write with you. And why aren't you out there networking and doing this? And why why don't you have other places to make money? You should be doing doubles, playing bass guitar down there. And he's, I said, why don't you do it? You know what his answer was? And, and I'm not picking on him. This is just real. And I think, mm-hmm. and the reason I'm saying this is because I think everybody thinks like this, whether you're a songwriter chasing it, whether you're an artist trying to chase it. Well, it's the principle of the matter. I came here to be a musician. I'm like, you're spending 10% of your time being a musician. But it's still <laughs> a business. You know, like right, it's, yeah. you have overhead, right? And so you mm-hmm. have to take the overhead. I mean, if you got a side job, you know, work for Uber, play, double mm-hmm. up on your shifts. I mean, the average person over the course of the summer, at least, average player downtown, and these guys are above average by far. They're special. Okay? Yeah. But the average player downtown on Broadway, make it 1500 bucks a week. Yeah. Okay. And I'm like, times six. Now do the math. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of jack, right? And yeah. they're not making anywhere close to that. Why? Because they're fumbling the football because they're thinking if we're not playing as Lonely, Lonely highway, highway, then somehow we're doing something wrong. We're not doing it. And they're just so naively hyper-focused on one thing. And I, I kicked their butts on this thing. They went out and did their first rider's night at yeah. Douglas Corner. And guess what? The club owner's like, when are you coming back? When are you coming back? They're calling them. <laughs> yeah. Right? Because usually on that thing, you got to call on this particular thing in particular, which is a well-known writer's night at Douglas corner, mm-hmm. you got to be the one on the phone calling. And it starts at like, I think it's like one o'clock in the afternoon or something. Mm-hmm. And you just got to keep dialing until the spots are filled. And then they put you on the bill, depending on when your call came through, that's the way that they uh-huh. do it. So I went out there to support them on the first writer's night and they didn't go up until friggin' midnight. It started at eight. Why? Because he didn't call five minutes before like yeah. what everybody else is doing. <laughs> Like you learn the hustle on these things, but everybody loved them. They had a ton of writing appointments. They've done that multiple times now, but they were so focused on this one thing. Like if you just think it's Mm -hmm. your song, that's going to do it, man, you're missing like so many other frequencies that are going to help get your music heard. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I came to Nashville and I've worked at blue water music as part-time data entry at the publishing company, royalty statements would come in from various labels and all over the world and stuff. And I'd put them in our database. And I was there like from nine to one usually. And, but that got me on the row, got to me to meet folks like Jim Lauderdale and, and other publishers because we had other publisher clients. So I got to meet, you know, Brad Kennard, who was over at, I think at Carnival at the time and, you know, just different people. I just got to meet people. And it wasn't about my songwriting. That wasn't why I got the gig. I mean, they appreciated that I knew about the business somewhat from my study, but, you know, back in Arkansas, reading books. Mm -hmm. But it was about this other skill set I could bring, which is, you know, a low bar skill set, data entry. But it got me on the row every day and got me to meet some people. Then after a while, I could be like, hey, Mark Meckle, can I, it would be okay if I bring a song by and just get your opinion on some stuff. And he'd been around me in a professional kind of context, seeing me around the office and you know, seem competent, not crazy. And he's like, all right, cool. Yeah. Come on by. And we have a nice visit and I get some feedbacks. Then I go do my thing again. And it started with data entry, nothing to do with songwriting at all, but it's now all of a sudden you're in that space and Mm -hmm. you're making a move. I mean, one final example is David Geffen. You know where David Geffen started? 
David no. Geffen, the music mogul, owner of Geffen Records, like sold Geffen Records to MCA in the 80s for like $576 million. He was like, I'm pretty sure the number one taxpayer or something that year. David Geffen started in the mailroom at William Morris. Wow. He didn't come from family with a silver spoon in his hand, like, you mm-hmm. know, born into the music industry and turned out to be just a hustler and a guy who can make relationships. But he started in the mailroom just to get in there. Yeah. Back to Chelsea. What was she doing back in Salt Lake City before she moved here? She, at one point was very active if she wasn't like the representative or something for NSAI. In yeah, Salt Lake she City. was an NSAI chapter coordinator, which gave her a reason to come to Nashville at least once a year for the training and meet some other people and meet, gave her a reason to be a magnet for other songwriters in the area so she could do some networking, find some co-writers and, and yeah, stuff so there. Maybe you can't move to Nashville, but why are you, know, are you involved with NSAI? Are you like, are you even aware that they're a songwriter places that you can go like in your town or within a closed drive Mm -hmm. come on you got to just get in that game and get into that scene and then you you start to get a lot of questions answered yep so anyway after that 30 minute detour so all right i know that was good that was real world though (laughs) that was Uh, so all right so we're talking about you know the old publishing model the way you may have thought of it never was 100 percent pure never was completely just about find great songwriter find great song play it for people, get cuts. Although definitely that's, that's happened a bunch, right? But there, hey, leverage was always helpful, right? So the new business model, let's look at the first one, find and sign great songs, leverage the publisher's relationships to get those songwriters in great rooms and let the songwriter write the cuts. So that's the thing. Building a room. I did a, a hang on freddie.com with, oh, with a, a writer's name escapes me at the moment. Um, but you know, he was talking, we're talking about maybe getting together, writing, but it's like, you just got to build a great room. Like, you know, and this is a writer that's had some, a lot of cuts in the CCM world and some country cuts and a good writer. We never had, we're just getting to know each other. And, but we're like, yeah, we really need to build the right room. And almost these days, it wasn't enough to have just two pro songwriters in a room. It was like, yeah, it's not as sexy, <laughs> you know, because yeah. so much these days is, getting in the room with an artist or a producer or some sort of leverage where like, it's not just the song, but there's other leverage on top of it. Leverage stacking. You can call You're it being intentionally How much leverage can we at, stack? At the beginning. Yeah. yeah. It's leverage stacking. So we have the leverage of, Hey, we can come out with a professional great song. I have no doubt because that's what we do. All right. That's one leverage stack. Now, Oh, we got a producer in the room. Oh, that's stacks. Another leverage. Mm-hmm. Oh, we've got an artist in the room, more leverage stacking. But just the fact that he's signed with a publishing company, that's stacking leverage because then he has a team of pluggers and and I bring my own leverage as far as who I can pitch to and that sort of stuff. So, and we did a uh, Know the Row or Know the Pro with Tim Hunsey of Anthem Entertainment. And he's talking about a lot of it is trying to build the right rooms. Mm-hmm. It's trying to build a great room, complementary personalities, complementary skill sets, trying to have an, because, you know, a lot of it's like he'll have, you know, hook up like three ways. And one is like his writer and one is a writer producer and one is an artist, you know, writer artist. And you, that way you're just trying to almost build your own camp, but you got like all the parts and pieces you need. Mm-hmm. So a lot of it's about building a great room, finding what your leverage is, what's your point of being in there. Uh, we talked on the last song title challenge about a lot of my leverage is I come in with boatload of ideas and concepts and what to do with them. And I'm good lyrically and I can bring that and go, Oh, you need, Fresh, strong idea. Boom. Here you go. You've been yep. writing a month straight and you're out of ideas. I got you. I'll be your boy. 
Here go, how about this? I'm like, yes, I got option B. It's not like option B, I got option C. We're going to Z. So that's some of the leverage I bring into it. So thing is, though, it's it's not a sure bet. I remember a pro publisher telling me about this pro writer and, and a lot of writers that have had success or are feeling this crunch and this pain of going, gosh, I should be able to just write a great song and get it cut. But this pro writer telling this other publisher, he, he didn't have a deal, but he's telling this publisher, man, if you can just get me in the right rooms, if you can just get me in the room with so-and-so, I can write a hit. And the publisher was like, you know what? I believe you, but I'm having a hard enough time to get my people in the room with so-and-so. Mm-hmm. It's not, I don't doubt your craft. I know you got a track record, but I'm having a hard time or I can't get my own people in this room with this artist that's on my roster too. Oh, I got a fiduciary duty to take care of first. <laughs> well, yeah, you got that. I got to take care of the people who I got to pay draws to, right? And yeah. have committed to. But it's not like it's easy for a publisher just to put you in the room with Eric Church. That's right. Or Miranda Lambert or Carrie Underwood. Not like that's easy. No, because every publisher in town would do that. And so it's not a magic bullet either that they can just set up these great rooms. Just because you sign at Sony doesn't mean you get an automatic in with every Sony writer artist they have on the roster. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, I, my first publishing deal was with major Bob music and Bob of major Bob is Bob Doyle. Who's Garth Brooks manager. So Garth was signed there. That was kind of in a lull. There was like 2005, six and seven. So Garth wasn't putting out much at the time. I think good ride cowboy was the only thing that came out from Garth at that time. So he wasn't working like on full records and stuff, mm -hmm. but that didn't get me in the room with Garth. Yeah. You know, he's in Oklahoma most of the time and, and he kind of had his little circle he wrote with. And I wrote with a lot of the people in his circle. I wrote with Kent Blasey and Pat Alger and Larry Bastian. And that was just awesome. But it didn't just, okay, well, just pop you in with Garth. That's what we do. Yeah. No. You know, so hey guys, it's, we got a brand new writer here at the publishing company. Can you come out from Oklahoma and just write with him? Yeah. <laughs> okay. No, <laughs> yeah, it just didn't happen. Crazy. It wasn't a conversation. <laughs> it just wasn't a conversation. And so that's, but that's one thing that publishers are trying to do, set up great rooms, but it's still, it's not foolproof. Uh, here's the other thing about, but the good news is it still happens. <laughs> you know, great writers are still getting love from publishers and they still, new writers are still getting signed. The other model is, you know, finding signed songwriters that have their own leverage, artist deal, whatever. Bad news is that's not a surefire bet either. I mean, a lot of those baby artists, baby producers and stuff are never going to get a hit, but the publishers are investing in and trying doing their best to try and make that happen to build their own camp. And the other thing is it's not easy to get your own leverage, you know, as a producer, as an artist, yeah. now it's going to be easier to, you know, if you're with a company like daredevil, help you build that leverage, you know, to get yeah, on the radar publishers and that yeah. stuff. And, uh, yep. but the good news is, you know, new ones still get signed. So if you have the chops to leverage a, I call it a slash, you know, a songwriter slash artist, songwriter slash producer, songwriter slash whatever then that helps. That's just more leverage stacking that you can do. And then, you know, publishers trying to build their own camps. That's not an easy, it's not easy to get into camps because if they got a good thing going, they're not just anxious to bring in other people who may get cuts out from under them with an artist. If you're in say a Dirks Bentley camp or whatever, then maybe some of the other writers aren't super thrilled to go ahead and bring new people in because they may become Dirk's favorite and you're out or something, you know, there's just, it's hard to break into camps. It's small circles and it's people who know each other. And it's kind of like the Chelsea thing It's people that have proven that they're 
competitive, that they're, that they're great at their craft, but also are a good hang and fit with the crew and that sort of stuff. Yeah. You don't want the disruptive energy into the groove that you have. And that's what terrified me with the thought of finding a replacement for Lexi. I mean, she was just so perfect, you know, Mm -hmm. and we just, she could finish my sentences. Like, well, that's pretty easy. We know it starts with F. <laughs> that would start the sentence. Actually, start the sentence. She can start my sentences for me. Yeah. <laughs> but that was it. Like, you know what? Uh, I don't want to, because it's, I got so much to do. I don't have time for the drama. I don't have time for, to think about that part of it. I want somebody to fit in. I was blessed to have Chelsea, but mm-hmm. I would have known it if I didn't know her. Exactly. Yeah. She's just been somebody. And she wouldn't have known about you. If she hadn't been a climber, yeah. you know, and, and if she didn't know you, she wouldn't know that Lexi was leaving. Wouldn't know that was even a thing. You wouldn't know she was moving. Yeah. You know, just right. relationships. It's- but there was an opportunity there, you know, and I can't remember like how we hooked up on that. On one hand, I'm sure that you might have some writers in there that are like, oh, I don't want you to become Dirk's boy or Dirk's girl mm-hmm. in the writing room and take it away. But on the other hand, it's like, man, I just, it's always a risk. It's mm-hmm. always a risk when somebody new comes in, like, how's this going to play out? Yeah. And it's precious time, you know, yeah. and, and you don't want to be, God, have you ever had a writing session that just took forever? <laughs> like, yeah, yes, I have. Because <laughs> of a bad personality or something or somebody that just didn't fit, you know, and you're oh, like, yeah. oh, will this ever end, please? Yeah, I'm, I have one that's funny. Years ago, Anthony Orio, good buddy of mine, he brought me in with uh, a writer who shall remain name- nameless because I can't remember his name right now, but who had you know, some cuts and maybe a hit and had a deal somewhere. I think this is before I had a deal. And so he brought me in. So I'm like, thank you, you know, and, and he hadn't written with this guy in a while, but it was just, it was just painful. The guy was just like disinterested and not really there, but also just, I don't know. It was just, it was not a good vibe. And Anthony and I get along great and write well together. We've written a bunch of songs together and he, and anyway, after it was over, he was like, sorry. Because <laughs> that was just painful for everybody. For everybody like, yeah, yeah, we're not doing that again. You know, I don't know if he ever did or not, but it was just weird. It's like a, just a bad vibe in the room. Like, okay, so we're trying to write this, and it was. So there's the purpose of even the indirect relationship. You t- who's the guy um, that you talked about that you would get feedback from when you worked at Blue Water? Oh, well, I mean, various people, but the guy I mentioned, I think it was Mark Meckel, who yeah, yeah, so had a publishing company, and he was a client of ours, and. You're not going to walk up to Mark Meckle with, even if you're a great songwriter, if you don't know him and say, Hey, can we get together and did, 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 get can I pick your brain? It can be creepy. Yeah. You know, uh, but now you, now yeah. you know, you find a different way just to kind of get to know him a little bit better. Yeah. It's soft leverage. Mm-hmm. It's just leveraging a relationship. And you're the same way. Everybody out there, y'all get your friends, your clicks, somebody new comes in. It's like, Ooh, how's this you know, turn out? Well, you know what? I have my wife because of, Leverage, leverage of relationships. She showed up at my house because her brother was my roommate. Yep. If I'd just seen her out somewhere, she's too shy. I'm too me. Would not have happened. <laughs> God had to stick her in my house with me for like a week or to take. He sent the boat, two boats and a helicopter to get you out of exactly. Her but dang it, I caught that helicopter. <laughs> You know, <laughs> but you know, that was, what was the leverage? The leverage was she's visiting my roommate. So she was in for a week and there yep. we go. You know, it doesn't have to be like 
creepy weird leverage. It's just, but that's that's what publishers are. That's what they're looking for. They're trying to keep their heads above water. It's hard to get cuts, and they're just looking for every competitive advantage they can have. And, and you got to be thinking about what, how do you fit into that? How do you fit into that? Yes, great songs make networking a whole lot easier. So if you are out on playing writers rounds and stuff, it'll be a whole lot easier to meet new writers because your stuff's good. And they're whether more it's in Nashville or you. whether it's in your hometown, exactly, or putting your stuff online or doing stuff in groups like the Climb Community where we have Music Monday and you can share your stuff, and then people are more likely to be like, "Ooh, comment!" And if it's great, right? If it's sometimes when it's crickets, it's because uh, you know how Mama used to say, "You don't have something nice to say." It's not always that, but right. it's sure a lot easier when you hear something that's really cool to go, "That's cool." You know, yeah, that's a lot easier. So great songs make networking easier. But the other thing, you know, if you're like, oh, what do I bring to a room? What do I, it's a closed network. Here's the good news. If it were impossible to break in, all the current hit songwriters would be like 105 years old. Because <laughs> nobody else got in. Yeah. But they're not, right? You had the era of like Craig Wiseman, Rivers Rutherford. Even before that, you had like uh, Don Schlitz and Paul Overstreet. Schlitz Overstreet mm-hmm. on everything. Randy Travis songs and blah, blah, blah. All these great songs. Schlitz mm-hmm. Overstreet. And eventually it became more, and those guys still got stuff, but it became like the names that were like the current Mount Rushmore. Everybody just killing it was like Craig Wiseman, Rivers Rutherford, Jeffrey Steele, mm-hmm. Anthony Smith. And some of those guys were like, oh, Wiseman's killing it. He's on everything. And if he's not, Jeffrey Steele's on everything. And then eventually it was the Peach Pickers, like, Red Akins and Dallas Davidson and Ben Hayslip are on everything. Mm-hmm. And right now it's more like Ashley Gorley and Josh Osborne and Shane McAnally on everything. Mm-hmm. So as our theme song says, who's next? Mm-hmm. It's not impossible to break in. It's not impossible to do that. Otherwise those names would still be Slitch Overstreet on everything. Cause it's not that they're not good enough. Those guys are hall of fame songwriters. Yep. But the, but chase it wherever you are, you know, like don't let the, well, I can't get to Nashville. So that's out. Chelsea was actively doing this for a number of years mm-hmm. up in Salt Lake City. And she had some good writers that she liked to write with. And guess what? The songwriting gene pool in outside of Nashville is going to be a little shallow. Mm-hmm. It's deepest here. There's no doubt yeah. about it. So you're going to have to put up with some some mediocre people and some people that aren't doing it, but you still got to get at it. You still got to get after it. Yeah. I mean, I had in Little Rock, I had like two co-writers. Yeah. (laughs) That was it. That Kevin Mason and Tim Meitzen. I think that was about it. As a lyricist, I needed co-writers too. Otherwise I was going to sit with just a notebook full of words. Thoughts and feelings. Thoughts and feelings. Yeah. (laughs) But man, I worked those, you know, and every once in a while I'd be someone else pop in, but mainly it was Tim Meitzen. And then after Little Rock, it was, Kevin Mason and mm-hmm. I still write with Kevin and Tim and I talked last night, but that was enough to get going and to have some stuff to play for some people. And Kevin knew some people and started making trips and it's just, it's a process, but you got to enjoy the journey. But so the big news is it's not just about finding great songwriters and pitch their stuff. That is an element of it, but thinking about, okay, what can I leverage? How can I meet? And publishers are a lot of times meeting new writers through their current writers. Mm-hmm. And how do those current writers meet those new co-writers through other friends? Yep. Through events, through hanging out. Relationship, 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 relationship. Yeah. Long distance, not so long distance starts there. Yeah. 
Start where you are. You know, grow where you're planning. I'm not going to come knock on your door and go, hey, I heard through a friend who's a friend of the dog walker's third sister's cousin that you're a good songwriter. <laughs> right. We're looking for good songwriters. Would you want to come with us? Exactly. <laughs> That's not going to happen. <laughs> How do you know as a good songwriter? I've never played my songs for anyone. We just know. Yeah, that's right. We heard we should believe in you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, boy. So that's the deal. Skit, actually. <laughs> uh, that'd be a good like skit. Spanish be... Inquisition, but publishers coming in. <laughs> exactly. Nobody knows about the good Spanish Inquisition. Nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. Favorite <laughs> surprise, surprise and fear. <laughs> you lost me on that, but I love you. Okay. Um, Monty Python. But, okay, this is not the one I know. So, all right. So that's the deal. Keep climbing. Keep working meet people, think about how you can leverage stack, what kind of leverage you bring to it. It may not be much, but as you build your muscle, you build your leverage, you build your lever. There you go. So that's it. Hey, listen, I got a gift for you for hanging out with us for about this 15 minutes or however long it's been here. Uh, I have a free ebook. It's called Think Like a Pro Songwriter and you can find it at giftfrombrent.com. That's giftfrombrent, B-R-E-N-T.com. Basically, it's just capturing some of the lessons I've learned in however many years now I've been in the music business from mistakes I've made from people I've talked to and, and just it's a free ebook download it uh, just tell me where to send it and I send it to you and also it puts you on the songwriting pro insiders list so you find out about chances to hang out with professional publishers with hit songwriters with you know that kind of stuff so you can it is going to help you think like a pro it's going to help you do business like a pro because you learn the ins and outs of it and it's going to I'm going to help connect you to the pros so that's giftfrombrent.com there you go. All right, guys. Well, once again, join the Climb community. If you haven't done so, subscribe to the podcast so it all comes directly into wherever you prefer to consume your podcast. Leave an honest rating and review. We're trying to get our ratings and reviews up over 200 here by the end of the year. So if you've been thinking about doing it, please go and do it. Just make it happen. Take 20, 30 seconds and finally tell somebody about it. That's the best way you can spread the love. Mm-hmm. And, and we're trying to help as many people as we can. This podcast exists because we want you guys to win. So keep on climbing. And we'll see you at the top. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett. 
Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 